you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. And some of us are offbeat, like we're losing, we're losing the heart of God. And in a band, you, you can't get distracted. You got to keep your eyes on the conductor. And I feel like the, the tone, uh, maybe it's summer, you know? Maybe, I don't know what it is, but um, I, I don't, we were told in college, in ministry school that you never take a day off from Jesus. And it's like, I don't want to fall asleep. Does that make sense? I am not implying that our church is like better than any other church in this world. But I, I know that at this church, we have a vision for passion for Jesus. And you will hear me require that of you, that we won't have, love anyone more than we love Jesus. And if there's a sense or a tone in the room that we're offbeat and we've lost the heartbeat of God in our church, we're going to fight to get that back. Does that make sense? Yeah. You still love your pastor? Absolutely. Good. Next week, next week we're going to, um, I think the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be down here. So just get ready to come down the next week, all right, because we're going to start down here. Is that cool? Cool. Um, hey, if you could all get out your cell phones real quick. Um, text in 777-3520, and the key word today is Daniel 2, Daniel 2. Last week, we started a series in the book of Daniel, um, and last week, there was two main thoughts that I wanted you to remember. One, that history, uh, the book of Daniel is a, is a historic book, and it is a prophetic book, and history is prophecy, and uh, history has a way of reoccurring again and again and again because the, the, the Lord has declared, like, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And uh, you can see the same patterns in almost every government and society throughout the years. They rise and they fall, mostly for a lot of the same reasons. And um, some of that is happening right now in our nation. And there is reason to be concerned because of some of the things that's happening. And we must not look at this world and blame them but we must take responsibility for what God is doing. Last week we said the way that we do that and the way that we should carry ourselves as we look at society right now is with grace and with truth. We can get way too radical and criticize others by creating a standard that's not um, possible for myself or even them. And, or we can have too much grace where we have no truth and uh, both are wrong. We must possess grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. It was really convicting for me. I heard it was for others. I'm gonna jump in today. I'm gonna try to go quick because I think God is telling me some things that we're gonna do even as this sermon unfolds. Um, the book of Daniel, chapter one, um, we're gonna, um, last week we went to chapter six to explain uh, how, how, how blameless Daniel was and the, the character that he had that allowed God to, to rise him up in an ungodly society. 
So this week, we're going to start off in chapter one. Next week, we'll do chapter two, and we're going to go later into the book and get into some of the prophetic stuff. But, but this week, I'm going to dive into some of the nuts and bolts that um, I think a lot of you may have overmissed over the years of what really happens in an ungodly society um, and how that ungodly society is, is trying to infiltrate the church, trying to infiltrate God's elect. And uh, there are some here that are just called of God, and you need to know that, that the enemy is trying to numb us. And uh, I'm going to show you some key ingredients here that Daniel revealed to us years ago that has happened throughout the years of the church and uh, see if we can't sound an alarm this morning. Does that make sense? Yep. Cool. Would you all stand to your feet? I'm going to try to go fast, um, faster than normal. Next service, I will, I'll, try not, I'll try to slow down a little bit, but we'll see how this goes. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, and some of the articles of the house of, of God, which he carried into the land... Uh, to to, um, to Shinar, to the house of his lowercase g God. He brought the articles into, and into the treasure house of his lowercase g God. And then the king instructed Abpenaz, uh, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, the young men who were, who, um, in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and who, whom they might teach the language and, and literature of the Chaldeans. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and wine, which he drank, and three years of training for them, and at the end of that time they might serve before the king and... Now, from among them, of those sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I pray that you would speak to your people today, and you would even use me to do some of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Man, I'm excited. I'm fired up this morning. I had a powerful time of prayer um, this week, all, several days where God's just moving in my life, and... Um, What's up? Yeah, that's what I want more. Yeah, you're the best. I love you, babe. One of the signs of living in an ungodly culture, one of the things the enemy is going to do that he's done throughout the course of history is try to confuse our identity. That's one of my first things that I think God's going to do amongst our society is confuse our identity. It's happening right now, by and large, amongst our youth, amongst our adults. There's a, a gender confusion that has an assignment on our people right now, but there is just uh, a misidentity, uh, a misunderstanding of who we are and what God's called us to do. If you poll the church, more than 70% of people in the body of Christ today don't know their spiritual gifts. And if you don't know what you're gifted to do, how do you know what you're called to do? How do you know what you're good at? How do you know this is who I am and what I do and what I do great? How do you know this is what I do better than the rest of the folks in the church? My gift isn't better. My gift is just for me. This is who I am. This is what I'm designed to do. Does that make sense? There is an assignment right now to confuse people. Let me take you into scripture and make sure you understand what happened. Israel was God's elected nation. 
called to be a chosen people. And God would reveal himself to them in special ways. But they fell away from the Lord. And he told them, if you don't honor me, I will allow you to be overtaken. They were by the Babylonians. And it came with fire, and it came with war and with sword. And they watched their people destroyed. I don't know if you can imagine the horror, but they saw it. And in Daniel chapter 1, what we see is the aftermath of that war. All of the resources stolen that they had collected for years. All their prizes, all their treasures. And then the elect of these people were taken hostage, made into slaves in the king's palace. From there, this story starts off. And what's unique about this passage is the scripture says that four individuals, well, they say that, that what they were looking for were young men, sons of Israel, sons of God, but they were looking for young men. And we believe that the men in this story were probably between the ages of 14 and like 25, but they were young men and they lived long lives through many different kings. The reason why that's significant is because of what happens here. If you look at some of the significant uh, instructions, what we don't know about their lives is we can see Daniel and these gentlemen living for many, 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 many years, but we never hear of them ever having a family. What we do know, though, is that they were made to serve the king but before they got to serve the king, they had to go through training, and their direct authority was the master, the scripture says here, of eunuchs. And so, I don't know if you can envision what I believe that they're implying in this scenario, but Daniel, Mishael, uh, all of these guys, I believe they got snipped. And what that would look like in these early days is if you're going to serve in the king's palace, they wanted to make sure that you couldn't mess with any of the king's wives. They wanted to make sure that as they gave you authority and power, that no one would want to follow you because you weren't very masculine. You weren't very intimidating. You didn't hold a whole lot of weight. And so they took care of these kids at a young age to make sure that they never met their potential. Does that make sense? And then they would give them new names. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 7, the scripture says this, then the chief of the eunuchs gave them new names, almost like they all had to come and see him, and then when you leave the door, I'm going to give you a new name. Snip, snip, here's your new name. And Daniel, his name meant God is my judge. But they gave him a new name, Belshazzar, and his name now was Lady Protect the King. Wow. Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious. But Shadrach meant you're at the command of Aku. Mishael, God is who is, is what God is. But Meshach, who is what Aku is. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. But um, Abednego is now the servant of Nebu. And I just, I want you to know that like you have a name and you have a purpose. The scripture says in Jeremiah chapter one, he says this, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were set apart, 
uh, before the nations. Like the Lord in, the, in your mother's womb, he knew who you are. He knew your identity. He knew the call of God on your life. Don't let the world cloud that. Right now, what I see as a pastor that gets me so angry sometimes is the amount of shame and condemnation, that guilt that lives in people's hearts because of mistakes that have happened in their life, that they believe that because of what I've done, I cannot be who I, who I am. I thank God for my wife. You're going to hear me say that several times today. I'm sorry. But I love that she always reminds our kids, Micah, that what, Micah? My, my who is not my do. What you did does not define who you are. And that's important for you to know that things can happen in your life. Sometimes it wasn't even your fault. But because of the word of the Lord, it cannot define who you are. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't allow society to change or confuse your God-given identity. Please press into that. If you have had some terrible things happen in your past or maybe even terrible things that you've done, it is important that you lean in and press in to the Lord, that you would be washed, cleansed, and given a new name. He did this with me. I'd love to tell you about it personally one day, but I'm not going to right now. Second point, here we go. One of the things that, that an ungodly culture will do and what is happening now and happened in Babylon that we can see in this first passage is an increased amount of information. So what the king was going to do is after he gave them this new identity was he was going to now start processing them and overstimulating their minds. His, his objective was to indoctrinate them with information, information, information. They were going to learn the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. His objective was to make sure that they were, for three years, man, when they were going to be in the king's service, they weren't allowed to talk with a lisp. If you're going to be with the king, he's going to understand you fluently or you're worthless. And so for three years, they had to learn, 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 learn. What did they have to learn? They had to learn war. They had to learn art. They had to learn agriculture. They, they, they had to learn uh, 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 finances and, and wealth and how to accumulate. They had to learn uh, the, the, why, why the Babylonians were the greatest empire in all the world. He wanted them to know where you were. You, you, were, you were just little Israel that got sacked, that got destroyed. But now you, 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 you're, your name is Lady Protect the King. And let me show you this great palace that you're in. And let me show you all these great things. And what society is doing right now, whether you realize it or not, you, you're here for one hour a week. And you're out there for 167 hours. And in those 160 hours, you are being indoctrinated over and over and over again to see things that are fascinating. We, like never before, are seeing power, Go see the, this cool new movie that I want to go see myself, Open Higher. Let me show you the power of the nuclear bomb. Let me show you something that's beautiful. Let's go see the movie Avatar. Want to go see something awesome? Let's watch these sports and see passion. We want to learn stats. We want to learn greatness. We want to learn power. We want you to taste the delicacies of this world. We're going to indoctrinate you with everything that will stimulate your brain. Why? Because if we can overstimulate you and fascinate you, we can numb you to what really is beautiful and powerful and good for your soul. 
Your soul will tell you what's good. But what's happening is every time we flip our phone up, we see fashion, beautiful. We see, and Google is learning what is interesting and powerful and cool and beautiful to you. And it's showing you less and less of scripture and more and more of things of this world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a, a, a cool new car or a cool old car or a, a cool boat or some really beautiful shoes or a really awesome haircut or a really cool mat presentation of an orchestra. Like I don't know what's fascinating to you, but it's trying to show you what you think is truly awesome. Because every time you celebrate the things of this world, your eyes are off the king. And the more that we can indoctrinate you, the less and less and less and less you're in love with the Lord. And so we'll just dilute your fervency. The third thing that I know that the society is doing based on this right here then is, um, is, is trying to get you to compromise your standards. So one, we're going to get information into you, information of stimulation, stimulation. The third thing is to compromise our standards. The king appointed for them a provision, a, a, a provision of the king's delicacies of wine which he drank. They wanted him to eat from his table and drink from his table the greatest things in the world. Why? Because he... He wanted them to know that he cared about them. And this is how the enemy lures us. The king just did the worst, the most egregious tragedies to them known to man. Burned their homes, sacked their villages, murdered their families, and took their masculinity from them. And now he's going to say, hey, but look at how powerful our nation is. Don't you want to be a part of it? Hey, you can eat at my table. Look at how delicious this is. Yet these were all things that they weren't allowed to eat. And they knew that. But the more they went in and studied, and the more they went in and studied, and the more they went in and studied, and the more they learned, the more they became fascinated, the more hungry they got. And I don't know if you've ever been up, college students, up till three in the morning studying, but I mean, come on, man. Some Oreo double-stuffed cookies will help you get through the book, amen? And, uh, and when I'm fasting, I know there's some things I shouldn't eat, but I know that some salty McDonald's french fries is really what I want. And so I, I can't tell you that I've been lured before, and, and they were trying to lure them into eating what they weren't allowed to eat so that their God wouldn't be their God anymore. It would be our God. And the king would be their God. And what I want you to know is that like right now in our life, the enemy is trying to overstimulate us in our life. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Well, let me just make sure we know this. This week, I, I eat at least twice a day. And I, my wife knows that while I'm eating, I'm talking about the next meal that I'm going to eat and how wonderful that's going to be. I only want to eat the best of things. How often are we eating the word of God? Uh, Teresa, I often say that you're beautiful, and you are. Clearly, but you are most beautiful when the spirit of God is on you. Um, yesterday, you shared some things that were really just cool about being about the fruits of the spirit, about how God gives birth to God, and many of us are trying to produce 
the fruits of God's spirit in our life on our own. We're trying to love, have peace, have joy, possess patience, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, all on our own doing. Yet when we hear those things, it drives us crazy because we can't. And there's no way that you can do those things without meeting and connecting with God. This isn't part of my notes. It's just something I feel like we should say. Trey, when you said that, it was like awesome. You can't be godly without God. You can't be who you want to be. You want like, we, we don't, there's no one dying on their bed that wished they were more wealthy. They wishes that they loved more, that they laughed, that they celebrated, that they gave, that they, they did more. I just don't want to eat too much. And so what Daniel did, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to lean into this for a second. In the Garden of Eden, so, so through these books that they're reading and studying and learning these languages in these study groups, Daniel, uh, uh, Mishael, uh, all these guys, as they're studying, they're learning what is powerful and awesome and cool and wonderful. And then the Lord says, hey, I don't want you to do some of these things, but it's becoming quieter and quieter in their life as they're learning what is awesome and awesome and awesome. Hear this. In the book of Genesis, the Lord said, this is good. He, he made light and he said, this is good. And he, he made the waters and he said, this is good. And he made the earth and he said, this is good. He made the animals, he said, this is good. The Lord began defining all the things that was good. And then he, ha- he walks with Adam and he says, listen, you can have all of these things that is good. There's one thing that is not good. What is interesting about the enemy is he will complicate the thing that the Lord told you is not good by making you feel like it's okay now for you. He'll dumb it down. And I remember when I was 12 years old, the first couple times I got high, I knew, I I grew up in a family of people that all abused drugs. I saw drugs destroy lives, people literally overdosed, marriages destroyed, family members gone like homeless, all because of drugs. Yet when I was 12 years old, what I learned is that Everyone else is saying it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. This is what social media is doing for you right now. It's good. 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 Even when politics are telling you that's bad, what they're doing, they're trying to teach you the way to respond. They're trying to get you to react their way rather than meeting with the Lord and hearing. When the Lord says something is not good, we have to understand that. And David, Daniel said, I have, he decided in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself by eating at the king's table. What is, what is in your life right now? Do you know what is off limits? Do you know what the Lord is saying? Stop. Do you know what the Lord is saying? Do this. And are we doing that? That's what determines whether he is the Lord or we are the Lord. Guys, this is good preaching, whether or not you're helping me or not here this morning. I I ain't got much better than this, but I I know that like the reality is we obey him or we're falling away. 
And it's so hard. Listen. Listen to history. Listen to people tell you, once you fall away, it's so hard to get passion back in your life. Fight for the love of God. For the sake of time, Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward of the chief of the eunuchs that had been set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azrael, he said, please test us, your servants, for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink, and let the appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young man who had eaten a portion of the king's delicacies, as you see fit, and so that you deal with your servants. And so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in and flesh than all the young men. I don't, I don't know why eating vegetables made them fatter um, or how somehow that is somehow cool, but I'm, I'm trying to, uh, anyways. Uh, um, the, and so thus the steward took away all the portion of the delicacies and wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables, for, verse 16. Do you see this? I don't know what's going on, but listen, in our life, we're gonna fight for passion, so we got to know how, we got to get a strategy on how you're going to come back to the Lord. And, and, and don't come up with a strategy on yourself. Just listen and obey the Lord. Let him chart it out for you. Stop doing these things. I want you to fast sin <laughs> and then just start radically obeying the Lord. And watch as the Spirit of God rises up inside of you and you're seeing a, the beauty really that you're looking for coming through your life that you're desiring to see. You're going to get tested. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 13 and 14 says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, and be courageous. Be strong, do everything in love. Be on guard, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. You're going to get tested. You're going to have to learn how to stand up for, 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 for what you want. So here's my first point. I want you to stand in prayer before anything else. I need you to learn to connect with Jesus. We have a strategy that we're going to do here as a church. In, in, in two weeks, we're going to start a, a, a 21 days of prayer. Teresa, help me out, but I believe it's August 5th. Like I said, <laughs> 6th. You can start on the 5th. You can do an extra one. It's all good. Prayer, prayer is something we want us all to do. We're going to pray together as a church. This is what we're going to do. In times past, we did too many things that I think that culturally we overstimulated and we weren't unified. But I believe that God is doing something in our church right now. And if we're not ready, we're not going to be ready for where we end up in a few months. He's trying to grow us. He, he's trying to, to sanctify us. He's trying to purify us. And we're going to have to respond corporately to that. Amen? So we're going to do 21 days of prayer starting August 6th. And uh, for 21 days, we're going to read some scriptures together. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer together. And I'm trying to gather some videos together that we can do some quick devotions. We'll see how that works. But we're just going to pray for 21 days. And then Saturday mornings, we're here every Saturday, and we invite you to come. But we are asking that you would come out every Saturday morning with us and cry out to God. Because here's the deal. There are things going on in our life that we're trying to do in our, in our flesh. We're trying to work it out. We're trying to just work harder. We're trying to just yell louder. We're trying to just like fix it. And it's not working. Watch this. 
in, 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 in Ephesians chapter 6 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle that you're having right now is not in the flesh and blood, but it, it's against rulers and against authorities and against powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Do you hear that? The scripture is saying the problem that's going on is in the spirit. And if you, if you want to understand how to overcome, you're going to have to get in the spirit. And so I'm calling you to pray with us. I don't know what you see as a powerful church, but I believe that a powerful church is a church that prays. And we've got to come back to the, to, to the way that prayer is not boring. Your prayer life should not be boring. If your prayer life is boring, start with repentance. Start just saying, oh God, I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry. Wash me, cleanse me, give your... And then when the Spirit of God starts coming on you, oh my heavens, it'll get interesting. He'll start giving you people. He'll start breaking your heart for people you love, people that are in your life. You won't be able to stop praying. The next thing I want you to know that we've got to do better is we've got to stand for the work of the Lord. Now, I just looked up all the stands in, Bible, in the New Testament, right? All the stands, and, and this is stand for the work of the Lord. But what was interesting is yesterday we were in prayer here, and the Lord gave me a vision of, of us here. We were tired. There's people in our church that are just wore out. And it's funny because you're wore out, and it's summertime. I mean, you're, you're wore out spiritually, I think, some of you. And the problem with that really is what C.S. Lewis says, is we no longer hunger for the things of the Lord because we've eaten so much of the things of this world. And so it's like we've become overstimulated by stuff that we thought was fascinating, that we have forgotten how to truly fix our eyes on what our soul longs for. So we get in the presence of God and we're like, Entertain me. Ooh. I, I'm not that good of a preacher. Uh, Deb is, you sing great, but I mean, like, that's not what we're, our aim is. Our aim is to fight together, to come together like, a, like 300, you know, like, and like my shield will, will, will protect you, your shield protects me, and we march on, and we fight, and we fight, and we fight. So I saw this vision yesterday of, of us working. I saw this vision of this hammer. I explained it to those that came early. In it. And what I realized is like this hammer was like Thor's hammer. You know what I'm talking about? It's got like the two big sides. And, um, and I realized it was more of a warfare. The Lord took me to a story in, in the book of King uh, Samuel 16 uh, about the, what, his mighty man, and there's this dude in there named Eleazar. I don't know if you know much about Eleazar, but Eleazar was a man. And the Bible says that he was one of David's three mighty men, and the scripture says that he fought against the Philistines, and he went to war, and all of Israel, when the Philistines attacked, all of Israel retreated, and there was Eleazar, and he fought the nation of Israel by himself so much that his hand froze to the sword. And I think about like when I'm swinging a sledgehammer and my hand gets like, you know, gets stuck. Man, you know what I'm talking about? Like you can't like ungrip the claw anymore. It's like stuck. And Eleazar fought so much that his hand froze to the sword and he defeated the Israelites. And I, uh, he defeated the Philistines. Like I said, thank you, David. I appreciate 
He probably wanted to go back and whoop the Israelites also. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Y'all jerks. Y'all left me out there to do um. But um, I think some of us have gotten tired and we've forgotten how to work. And the scripture says this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your... Uh, your labor for the Lord is not in vain. And what I think is like sometimes we just get tired doing good things that we give up, we give up, we give up. But here's the thing. The things that we're doing for the Lord, it's not like because we're obligated to. There is a holy mandate on your life. You are called to build the kingdom of God. What else the other things we're doing is really getting in the way of what matters most. We have to be careful that we're not building our kingdom and we're not devoted to working for the things of the Lord. If you're not careful, you can get burnt out doing stuff that you're not called to do. As a leader, one of the things that I learned a lot is that burnout happens to pastors all the time. I don't know if you ever heard this burnout ter terminology. And what burnout happens is not when pastors are, are doing ministry, it's when they're doing things they're not called to do. You get, you get yucky and tired and weary doing stuff that you're not supposed to do. And we got to reevaluate what God's calling us to do so that we can get to our assignments. I'm not even talking about church, y'all. I'm just talking about life. God, what are you calling me to do? And the last thing is this. I want you to stand. So we're talking about society being ugly. And now how do you respond for that? First, you stand in prayer. Then you keep working. And let me make sure you understand. In my calling, so many days I want to quit. Tommy, Tommy Barnett, one of the coolest pastors in all of the world. Man, he's, the, he's the, the founder of the Dream Center of Los Angeles. He would say all the time that I quit my ministry, I quit my job every Sunday, and I go to work on Monday. I can't tell you how many times I quit. I quit, God. This, this stinks. This hurts. They, people hurt my feelings. They, they, they're mean to me. They don't like me enough. They don't pay me enough. They don't, they don't praise me enough. They don't... I'm being, I'm, I am being honest. I feel these ways sometimes. I don't actually want your praises. Please understand. But like, we get down on ourselves. And I, I want to quit on my marriage. I definitely want to quit on my children. And I definitely want to quit on the things that matter. But we don't quit on things that God's called us to do. We work. And we don't quit working. But the last thing that you got to stand for right now in your life, knowing that there's a society shifting underneath your feet and it will knock you over if you're not careful, is you got to stand for Jesus. Now, this is what this looks like. Last week we said, we remember grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. But Jesus was pretty radical when he said this. He said, if you deny me amongst others, then I'll deny you in front of my Father. But if you... Declare me in front of others, then I'll declare you in front of my Father. I want to make sure in our lives that we are declaring the word of the Lord, that we're declaring Jesus. When was the last time you said his name? Do people in your life know what your mission is? Do they know what you love more than anything in this world? Have you said his name? It's significant. I'm going to take you a real quick, a scripture 
Colossians says this. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to end there for the day. Stand for Jesus. 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 Lord, if I have, I feel like spiritually speaking, some of us have taken our armor off and gotten comfortable. But it's time I hear a trumpet sounding and rallying the troops to, to wage warfare, to fight the good fight, to, to, to run the race. And it's time to stand up and put my armor on and say, God, first of all, Lord, forgive me for, 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 for letting my guard down for too long. Forgive me for being mesmerized by the beauty of things that you created. You are the greatest and most powerful and most wonderful thing in my life. Church, would you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe that everyone here in this room right now has a calling on their life. That God has a plan and a purpose for each person here. And if you, if you are not living for that calling, and today you're saying, you know what? I want to answer the call of God on my life. Today, I'm going to ask God to forgive me and put his spirit in my life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're saying, Pastor, will you ask, help me ask God to forgive me? Will you raise your hand? It's awesome. Church, will you just look at me then for a second? As your conductor, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm not always like, I got this also. But if there are lost folks out there that are coming into a place that they believe God is supposed to live, when we get here, let's be real. Let's get radical about the way that we love him, the way we celebrate him. I don't know what church is supposed to look like, but I imagine that if he really had his throne set up here, we would be dancing, we would be singing, we would be celebrating. For crying out loud, some of y'all maybe should be dancing through the parking lot on your way in, you know? Let's get the banners out, right, Melissa? No, let's not do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> Next Sunday is kids' takeover. It might just happen. Oh, my heavens. Oh, the banners are coming next week, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Lord, I'm so... I just want to raise the bar. Here's what I know. I'm seeing with my eyes. Maybe I'm the only one. They're raising the bar. Society is getting darker. And if, the, if they're getting darker, we've got to get brighter because light always extinguishes darkness. And so we've got to get radical about our faith and radical about our love for Jesus. I envision a church that is passionate about the king. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. Lord, wash us. Lord, heal us. Lord, cleanse us of all of these other little gods in our life. May we be truly fascinated by you. Teach me how to set aside time to just be with you. 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 Help me find it in my schedule right now. Make it about you. 
Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. I love you guys. Thank you for for, uh, worshiping with me. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be down here after service. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.